This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Taking a look at the issues surrounding the health and well-being of our LGBTIQ plus communities. This is Well, 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 brought to you by the team from Thorn Harbour Health on Joy and the Community Radio Network. You are here on Well, Well, Well on Joy and the Community Radio Network. And I am Jacinta Hennicom in the studio here at Joy on Bunurong Country. And joining me this week is Cal Hawk. I'm so excited to be here. You are. This episode. You can't wait to tell all of us about what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I am. Because well, you mentioned this, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we were um, in a production meeting with the rest of the team and the gender pain gap mm. came up. And I was like, pay gap? And they were like, no, 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 pain gap, like pain owl. And I was like, wait, what's the gender pain gap? And th- so this this announcement came out. It came out like a month ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, and it was, I'm just going to read it here around. There was a release of a landmark survey dedicated to Victorian women's health has confirmed that women already, what women already know. Their pain is real and is regularly overlooked. And then it goes on to talk about the systemic experiences of pain related to a range of health issues mm. um, and just, you know, how ill-equipped the network has been, you yes. know, our health system has been in addressing it. But what has been mind-boggling to me is just how much women have not been, like, believed because I was yeah. like, of course, yeah, this makes sense that these are some, you know, endometriosis, pelvic pain, you know, um, complications post-pregnancy, menopause. I mean, we've talked a lot about yeah, this stuff like all the, the show. Yeah, like all the sexual reproductive health kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. But this is also about just really basic health stuff, like cardiac issues and how that is different for different people yeah and that's like we know next to no information about it which is kind of crazy to me so i'm looking Uh really looking forward to talking to the minister for health the honorable marianne thomas will be joining us for this episode which is really good but you were telling me too that this is part of a broader women's health program yeah yeah tell me a little bit about that okay so I'm not an expert, I would say, but (laughs) I have been keeping my eye on this um, for a while. And it's something that has been building and that for a lot of us working in, I guess, healthcare and like particularly community health, working with community members, this is what really feels like a significant moment for women's health um, and just more broadly for the Victorian health system as it is. So there's been surveys into you know, experiences, lived experiences of uh, quote-unquote women's health. Um, But of course, there is an inclusive approach to that. So really, they're looking at marginalised genders. So women, um, transgender diverse people, non-binary people, and how the health system, I guess, really overlooks or perhaps does not adequately address things that we experience. So whether that's pain, whether that's just basic health conditions. And it's something that has been building um, up in terms of people sharing their stories. And we've now gotten to this point where we've had this survey come out. So the 2023 um, survey into women's health. And there is now an inquiry into women's pain, which is open. So that opened up on the 30th of January this year for submissions. uh, And that closes on the 31st of July, 2024. So 
they're looking for people to submit, you know, experiences um, around, and we're talking like lived experience of pain uh, in the healthcare system. And that's from health consumers. So just regular people out in the community uh, and also from clinicians and healthcare practitioners, um, researchers, people working in these spaces to, I guess, really paint a picture of what is happening in terms of women's health and particularly around pain and really starting to look at what is this gender pain gap, how significant is it and what is needed to make sure that we are addressing you know, the, the gaps that exist in our systems. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Uh, that's coming up next with the Honorable Marianne Thomas, uh, who is the Minister for Health here in Victoria. Uh, are you excited, Jacinta? I'm excited. Let's go for it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You're listening to Well, Well, Well here on Joy in the Community Radio Network. You're getting Well, Well, Well with the team from Thorn Harbour Health. So now joining us on the phone is the one and only Victorian Minister for Health, Marianne Thomas. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Oh, it's wonderful to be with you. Now, a lot of us have heard of the gender pay gap when it comes to salaries and what, you know, the difference between men and women with regard to, you know, how, how much they get paid and the disparities there. But you had a re- recent media release and survey results that were put out around the gender pain gap. Could you tell us a little bit about what the gender pain gap is and what are the key things that were being considered in this survey? So what we have learned, and we've certainly listened to the real experiences of women, is that For too long, women's pain has been misunderstood, underdiagnosed or ignored. And um, we committed to the people of Victoria that we would establish an inquiry into women's pain um, as part of our 2022 election commitments. So um, we've completed a survey of around 1,700 women and girls and that has exposed some really challenging information for us. Around 4 in 10 Victorian women are living with chronic pain. Uh, We know that around half of those participants reported that period-related conditions are affecting their health and well-being, while a further 50% have told us that pregnancy and birth complications uh, have continued to impact their health. So uh, another 30% have told us that uh, conditions like endometriosis, menopause and chronic pain are leading to poor mental health and uh, we know that these conditions can really impact the ability of girls and women to participate fully in life um, and this is having both a health and well-being impact but also an economic impact so we need to understand this pain gap yep. and we need to do something about it and that's just exactly what we intend to do. So yeah, I was talking about how a lot of folks are familiar with the gender pay gap, but in fact, this is it. This this pain disparity is at an intersection around things like the ability to keep a job uh, when it comes to chronic pain. I suppose in your day to day. Absolutely, and we know that um, sex and gender differences contribute to uh, women's experience of pain, or or people's experience of pain, and uh, importantly, there experience of health care that they need to address their conditions. So it's really important that we take an intersectional lens um, to this work and our inquiry and we work to be as inclusive as uh, possible, which is certainly as Minister, my intention uh, with our pain inquiry. 
With regard to the survey findings, you know, has this prompted, I guess, or, or I, I understand, as I understand it, there's a bit of like reform underway with regard to service provision specifically for women's health. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, so our government made a $153 million commitment to uh, really give women's health the focus and funding it needs and deserves. And with that funding, we've been able to expand our sexual and reproductive health hub networks. We're investing in 20 women's health clinics and a mobile health clinic. We've made funding available to enable more uh, laparoscopies to treat um, uh, to treat women suffering endometriosis. Now, some of this, it's, it's important that we get on and we keep delivering because one of the things that's been really frightening to to learn is that the average time of diagnosis for a woman, a woman living with endometriosis is around seven years. So we've got to reduce that time to diagnose, reduce the time to treatment and ensure that, as I said, that we're giving women's health the focus and funding that it uh, needs and deserves. Why do you think the gender pain gap is an important thing for kind of everyone to get up to speed on and for all of us to get behind addressing at a systemic level? Uh, so as, uh, as Minister for Health, I want, to, I want to be in charge of a health system that meets the needs of all Victorians. And if we look historically at the way in which um, medicine and uh, treatment protocols and medical research have developed and grown over time, we see that a lot of our research, for instance, has been done exclusively on men. Mm. Uh, women have not been uh, have, have not been part of centuries of medical research, which means that our bodies are less well understood. Um, and we know there has been a uh, gender bias in the way in which healthcare has been prioritised. So, for instance, um, women's sexual and reproductive healthcare has always been shrouded or frequently been shrouded in a bit of shame and stigma. And uh, we know that, for example, by the way in which uh, we, uh, you know, we don't always use our biological names of our body parts to describe what's going on. And women often will report that they don't feel like they've got the language to describe what they're experiencing, what they're feeling, or are not feeling comfortable in using language to describe uh, what they're feeling and experiencing. So we've got a lot to do to break down shame and stigma and ensure that um, women and girls can access uh, the healthcare that they need, be respected, be listened to, and, be, and, and then have that information acted upon. I mean, we know, for instance, of uh, some of the stories that women have shared have been quite frightening. Um, women being feeling like they're on a merry-go-round of antidepressants and, um, and uh, you know, iron infusions. Uh, women being told that uh, the best way to resolve their pain is to have a baby. Mm. Uh, with this, mm -hmm. you know, these these things are really embedded in a very kind of gendered way of thinking about women's healthcare needs. 
wait so this just I, 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 this is you know blowing my mind I think yeah it's actually are- interesting this reaction between Cal and I in the studio right now where Cal is shocked by that whereas I was like yeah I've heard that I've been told that I mean to go yeah. on antidepressants to treat pain mm-hmm. that's crazy yes yes because um, often uh, women are not believed um, of course uh, you know a, a lot of women's pain is is sometimes treated and seen as if it's in our heads. We're making it up. That's our experience. That's what women have told us through this survey, and it's why we now are opening up for submissions. We've got submissions open now until um, July of this year. Now, with our women's pain inquiries, I know that clinicians and medical researchers uh, and experts will all participate but can I use this opportunity to shout out to our LGBTIQ plus community and say I want to hear your voices too um, as sub- people should not feel intimidated by making a submission it's an opportunity to tell uh, the inquiry about your experiences and I really wanted to um, if, if I may just be very clear that I uh, understand that when I talk about women and girls that I want to be as inclusive as possible and I understand that there are many uh, much of what we are talking about today particularly when it comes to um, our biological you know our, our sex biological sex driving some of the um, our concerns that much of what I'm saying is very relevant to uh, trans men, and uh, I, I want to ensure that they feel included as well. Yeah, I think getting that diversity, like you said, there's. It sounds like there's just such a lack of data, of evidence, and to get these surveys, to get these inquiries out there, to start to compile that evidence base is really the first step. Um, and it sounds like the more, the, the, you know, it can't hurt for people to put mm. in submissions. Pardon the uh, the pun there, but you know, um, exactly. Yeah. No, exactly, exactly. And see, the reason that women have, um, uh, or that we understand so little about us, or that the medical world and health understand so little about us, is because we've been seen always as being unreliable on account of menstruation and um, hormonal changes. So, yeah. <laughs> now, I you feel can't, like you can't, you can't just dismiss half the population. Yeah. This is our lived experience. Yeah. This is how we have to navigate um, our lives, our health care, uh, as, uh, as uh, people that menstruate then go through other significant changes in life, perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause, just understand, and so little is understood about those phases of our lives and, and their impacts on our healthcare more broadly. And I just wanted to make the point too, because we've talked a lot about um, reproductive health, but we know that because of a lack of research, for instance, that women are more likely to um, suffer from a range of kind of autoimmune diseases uh, and things like fibromyalgia, for instance, is an example of that and where women will tell us that no one is listening, they're not being taken seriously. We also know that women present very differently with symptoms of um, cardiac disease. Mm. And thankfully, 
um, thank, thankfully due to some fabulous uh, clinicians and researchers here in Victoria and overseas, but women are leading the way in kind of doing the research to better understand uh, how our bodies present um, with a range of common conditions that are quite different to men. Yeah, it, it seems like it's quite a basic thing, but I mean, I, I've said this to a number of people that this really feels like a significant moment for women's health in Victoria and I mean, just more broadly as well. Um, and I, I wanted to ask a bit more about this inquiry that's happening. So obviously it's open to submissions. Um, and is, is this, you're looking for people with lived experience, so like health consumers, I guess that would be yes. framed as. Are you looking for a- clinicians as well or other experts? Or Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And I know that experts will feel highly motivated um, to contribute. So really, I did want to ensure that, um, that uh, women that are listening and those who have been impacted by our health system's lack of understanding of the gender pain gap feel empowered and know that I really encourage you to participate. Tell your story. Tell your story about how your pain has been dealt with or not, as the case may be. Um, Tell us about uh, your experiences in our health service system because it's really important that we understand. And as we said earlier, um, you know, this is about women's pain but it's relevant for all Victorians because we know right now that we have too many people in our state living with chronic pain, unable to fully participate in economic and social life, and simply that's not good enough. Um, We can improve everyone's health and well-being if we have a a focus on uh, women's pain. Now, that's, that's an excellent point. I have a few more questions, but we are going to continue the conversation with the Honourable Marianne Thomas, Minister for Health here in Victoria. You're listening to Well, Well, Well here on Joy and the Community Radio Network. Sexual health, mental health, and the overall well-being of our LGBTIQ communities. You're listening to Well, Well, Well. And you are here on Well, Well, Well with Jacinta and Cal, and we are still with the Honourable Minister for Health here in Victoria, Marianne Thomas. Now, I have another question for Marianne. Earlier on, you touched on you wanting to hear from clinicians and whatnot. And if, I think I remember, too, in the announcement from last month when we were looking at the outcome of the initial survey around the gender pain gap, was there also an initiative around, I think, was it providing scholarships to more women's health care specialists? Because alongside these clinics, you're trying to grow. The, is that workforce? Is that part of the initiative? Oh, yes, we are. We have a range of initiatives in place. And that includes $1.8 million for women's health specialist scholarships to ensure that we've got greater workforce capability and capacity. So I would not want clinicians to think that um, uh, that this is in any way, you know, a, a criticism of them because you, you don't know what you don't know. Mm. And um, uh, we've got to look at where the gaps are in terms of training, understanding, um, and the knowledge of our healthcare workers when it comes to ensuring that we that women are being treated and that uh, and that their conditions are being better understood by our clinicians more broadly. So that will be really important. We've also uh, just distributed um, two million dollars in grants to a range of NGOs that 
are providing um, health and wellbeing support programs to women who are experiencing um, uh, pain or who are marginalised in terms of accessing the healthcare that they need. And that's really to provide some more support, ensuring that those women feel confident in coming forward to tell um, us their stories um, and that they are supported to participate. And something else that is um, coming through in this work on women's health in Victoria is uh, specifically around sexual and reproductive health, as you mentioned. Um, And there's new hubs that are being put together as well. Could you tell us a bit more about what the aim of these hubs will be and what that will mean for people accessing those resources and that healthcare service? Yes, absolutely. So with um, our sexual and reproductive uh, health hubs are about expanding access to sexual and reproductive health care, as you would expect. But that includes um, uh, ensuring that we are enhancing, say, our syphilis public health responses, that we are building capacity in primary care, that uh, we are looking at viral hepatitis prevention as part of those hubs as well. But I wanted to share with you, if I could, something that was a sort of new to me. Please do. Um, when, I, when I became health minister, was here in Victoria, um, or indeed in Australia, we have one of the lowest kind of uptakes around the globe of um, long-acting reversible contraceptives. And so, and in particular, the IUD. Um, and what concerns me about that is that uh, girls and women are not getting access to what is the one of the best and most reliable forms of contraception. Um, and that uh, technology and research has changed a lot in terms of these, well, both um, the, uh, the IUDs, but also... Uh, implanon and other slow-release hormone uh, contraceptives, but there can be very, very effective um, contraceptions, contraceptives more effective than the pill, and yet it sometimes feels like um, the pill is the default uh, contraceptive, and I'm worried that young women might be fronting up to their uh, doctor and saying I want to go on the pill whereas in fact what they're asking for is they want advice and information on contraception Um, and we need to make sure that our uh, primary care network and this is where the importance of our hubs in working with GPs to grow their knowledge comes in that our primary um, care network has that information to say well let me let's talk about your contraceptive needs let's really understand where you're at in your life Um, and what's going to work best for you rather than a default prescription for the pill. And, of course, I raise that that as well because for some, uh, well, an IUD can actually be a preventative for endometriosis. Mm. So when I'm saying this, I'm not a doctor, I'm not authorised to give medical advice, but but Dr Nisha Cott, who is the head of gynaecology, at uh, Peninsula Health, when we announced the pain inquiry, I fact-checked this with her on the day, and it's true. Um, yeah, so, you know, there's. Uh, I would want to encourage your listeners again to think about, well, what, what, do, what do I need? What do I really need? And then to ask 
for options. What are the options? But our hubs are going to be really vital in spreading more and better information about uh, contraceptives, as well as, of course, thanks to some great work by Assistant uh, Federal Minister Jed Carney, as well as making it easier um, for girls and women to access um, medical termination of pregnancy. And would I be correct in assuming, I mean, I know you're out, you're the member, you know, out towards Macedon, out near Dalesford. And would I be correct in assuming that some of these hubs will be regionally located? Oh, yes, yes, they will be. Um, they're spread right across Victoria. They will be in the, you know, we'll, we'll have one in Ballarat and one in Bendigo. I, I don't have the list in front of me, but oh, that's they quite are all right. certainly, um, yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll be spread around the regions. Um, we're trying to make um, sexual and reproductive health care more accessible. I mean, it's great also, of course, um, Thorn Harbour is such a great partner to work with when it comes to ensuring we're meeting the needs of our LGBTIQ plus community and they're having a, um, a hub in Bendigo is a great benefit for our regional queer community. Yeah, we're really excited about that. And I was actually really fortunate that just be, just before Premier Jacinta Allen stepped into her role, we had a, a meeting in the books to meet at Thorn Harbor <laughs> Country. And when she stepped in as as Premier, she kept the meeting, which was wonderful. So I got to meet her not too Fantastic. long ago up in Bendigo. Yeah, we appreciate that. Look, I just, and related to that, you know, International Women's Day is just around the corner here. And you know, it is. It, oftentimes on the show, we've talked about a lot of women stepping up into positions of leadership, into positions of power. And I know that you have been in Parliament. Is this, is it fair to say that this is a bit of relief to finally see progress in this space? Because I know you've been in Parliament for a really long time, and you you can hear it in your voice. You're incredibly passionate about this that we're addressing <laughs> this. Do you know? Is it? Or is it, are we finally seeing progress that having women in leadership positions are able to get this agenda forward? Look, I think it's what's making the difference. So more than half of our parliament is now 50% women. My party, the Labor Party, has really led the way um, with the number of women that we have. We now have more women than men in both the parliament and in the cabinet. It means that um, our life experiences are informing the policy decisions that are being made. And I've got to say, I just want to pick up on a point that was made earlier. I have been overwhelmed by um, the response to the announcement of the pain inquiry. So many women in my community have told me that this, that they feel heard, that they feel that someone is prepared to listen and act on their life experiences, feel acknowledged that they're not going mad, that this is real. And so it's, it's, it's great. And it is, it's an example of where representation matters. Yep. Representation matters um, in decision-making positions. And, I mean, I'm thinking about, I'll be uh, speaking, as you would expect, on International Women's Day. And I've been reflecting from on a time, maybe 20 years or so ago, um, after uh, uh, we've done some work in, I was working in education at the time and we'd done work on sexual harassment and a good man, a good friend, a good sponsor said to me, well, do you feel like we're done now <laughs> on, on, on equality? Now, he's actually a good, he's, you know, a good one. And I thought at the time, 
um, it was kind of like, well, um, I don't think so, but I didn't really have the confidence or the capacity to articulate it. And obviously since then, not only do we have to fight, keep fighting to win games, to win, um, to have our uh, health concerns taken seriously, we've also got to protect the games that we've won. And so as Minister for Health, I look around what's happening in other parts of the world, particularly in the US, mm. um, when it comes to um, uh, you know rights to access abortion care. We've got to always be vigilant to ensure that we've got an eye at all times uh, so that we don't lose things that we've achieved in our lifetimes. And the same is very true here in Victoria for our LGBTIQ plus community. Um, we pride ourselves on being a state where equality is not negotiable. But uh, you can't take uh, any kind of you can't take wins for granted. You have to keep fighting to maintain them That's and keep excellent. working forward for equality. Yeah, it's an excellent observation. Look, uh, the honourable. Mary Ann Thomas, Minister for Health here in Victoria, thank you so much for your time today. Um, it's wonderful to hear the progress that's happening, that you're addressing the gender pain gap. Thank you. It's been great to be able to share some of this work with the two of you today. So thank you so much. You're listening to Well, Well, Well here on Joy and the Community Radio Network. Thanks for listening to Well, 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 supported by Thorn Harbour Health on Joy and the Community Radio Network. For more LGBTIQ plus health and wellbeing and much more, check out Thorn Harbour on social media at Thorn Harbour or via the website thornharbour.org. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.